Welcome everyone to this week's episode of the Essential Therapies Podcast with Dr. Cindy. And today's topic is how the body adapts. And Dr. Cindy goes into some wonderful detail about the topic. She talks about the specificity of training and all sorts of other really important discussion points on the topic. So we hope you enjoy this one and we'll see you again next week. Hello, Dr. Cindy here with a quick check-in podcast today talking about how the body adapts. And as you know, my goal is to provide awareness so that you can make better choices and be informed. So one of the things that I think is so amazing, and it's, it's have you ever had one of those scenarios where there's something that's so obvious, but it, it's almost so obvious that it's not obvious. I always think of this when I'm working on my on my cell phone and, you know, the, the iPhone option is so easy and sometimes I just kind of miss it. Or maybe those items where it's just so commonplace that we don't even think twice about it. Well, I, I feel like this kind of falls into one of those categories. And it's about how the body adapts to whatever it is we are doing or not doing and how important that is with so many things in life in general with our body and our mind and just our function, anything it is that that we want to be able to do. So let me explain a little bit. I first came upon this whole topic and idea in exercise physiology and you know that was my first love way before physical therapy before um myofascial release and i just really was blown away by how the body adapted to exercise so when i realized that people were actually doing exercise science as a career when i was um, doing my early undergraduate studies at the university of toledo I was really intrigued by that. And that's how I got into this whole field of exercise science when I was at that time an accountant, believe it or not. So that's noteworthy because at the time I was doing a lot of sitting and my body was not feeling very good from it, right? So when I learned about specificity of training and now kind of incorporating that with so many other things that I'm doing here at Essential Therapies and working on the fascia and using myofascial release and self-treatment tools, it makes sense. So let me explain. Specificity of training relates to the scientific fact that our body adapts to the fitness activity or the sport activity or the workouts that we are actually giving it. For example, if you're a cyclist and you are let's say even doing many many miles and you are regularly cycling and you have an incredible lung capacity to be able to go hours and hours it doesn't mean that the amount of training and the type of training that you're doing on the bike is going to carry over to running because even though that's an aerobic activity it's a different type of activity and the body is utilizing the nutrients, the chemicals in the body, the movement of the body in a different way when you're running compared to when you're cycling. Okay. Same thing carries over if you're a big runner, but maybe you want to try and use that aerobic activity or the fitness activity, the muscular activity 
to basketball. Well, there's some running in basketball, but there's short bursts of running, right? So it's a different type of running for one thing. So different energy system and different movement with trying to run faster. And then there's the whole technique thing involved with basketball because there's, there's jumping, there's aiming, there's shooting, there's upper body movement. All of these things are different. So when we think about someone who's who's exercising or fit or maybe they're going to, to be in sport, it's super important to look at what it is they want to be able to do and what training they're going to be doing. Makes sense? So it's kind of obvious. It's like, yeah, okay, this, I'm not telling you anything super exciting and new here. Except that. Let's think about this a little bit more. In a functional activity standpoint, when we do something routinely or regularly or every day, and let's talk about the accounting example again. When I was an accountant, I was actually still in college, kind of building towards going to become a CPA. And I was already uh, doing audits and working at a, a big eight accounting firm at the time, and, um, just doing a lot of sitting, right? Especially during tax season. So it wouldn't be uncommon to be sitting at a desk for 10 hours a day, getting up maybe a few times. The body adapts to that activity by becoming very tight. So it's not a very good adaptation, right? So when I would stand up, there would be tightness in areas of my body and that would carry over to which what was causing that tightness is fascia, which I understand now, right? Which I didn't even notice at the time. It's like, you just, oh, I feel maybe stiff from sitting here. I was actually starting to get pain. But what's happening in the fascial system is it's ad adapting to that position. And if we don't do something to reverse that position or to create an opportunity to have a different movement with our fascia and our skeletal system and our, our whole body, then it's going to develop patterns that are hard to come out of later on. Here's another example. Think about the movement of the shoulder joint or the hip joint. If you were to do a great big arm circle and let's say you had no restrictions whatsoever, there's quite a big range of motion there. Let's say you don't ever really need to reach all the way back here in this big far end of that circle very often. So over time, the body starts to get tight because the fascia starts to realize, hey, I really don't need to go over there. So, you know, it just gets tighter into its regular pattern. And then years and years and years go by and you're not able to do this. I see this every week in my studio here with patients on my table, especially with older adults who haven't been getting, let's say, on their belly very often. I'll ask people this question often, when's the last time you got on your belly? And oftentimes I get a blank stare or an I don't know, or you know, it's not even a thought. So what I have found is that unless you're doing an activity, let's say a fitness activity where you're on the floor, you're doing some exercises where you're working the back body and so you're laying on the floor face down most people in their daily activities, their functional activities, they're not doing that. So why would that even be important? When you think about the sitting position and how hunched over we become, how the hips are bent, the knees are bent, the, we're usually looking forward, we're oftentimes slumping forward, this part of our body in front of us gets very tight. When we stand up straight, now we're opening up that area but if we were to lie down on our belly, we're also opening it. And then we have an ability to relax into the supportive structure on the floor or the 
a table or bed, what have you. And even propping a pillow up or propping on your elbows then starts to lift the head and the upper back so that you're going into extension, right? So that would be similar to if you're standing and bending backwards. We're opening up that front body. But if you don't do that very often, that becomes uncomfortable. So here's what I typically hear from people. Well, I, I don't I don't get on my belly. Oh, really? Why not? Well, it doesn't feel good. Chances are it doesn't feel good because you haven't done it in so long and the body is not used to doing it because the body adapts to whatever we do or to whatever we don't do, right? So oftentimes if there's pain in the low back when that happens, it's coming from restriction in the front body. As you're opening up that front body, the structures that are attaching to the front of the spine, usually through the hips, and I can give you all kinds of anatomical names, but that's not even necessary. If you think of the pelvic bowl and all of the structures that, that are in that bowl, as they attach to the back body, when we stretch out that front part of our body, it pulls on the back. So if you're having pain, let's say when you lie on your belly for a while, or even just getting there, that could be part of what's going on. You can remedy that a little bit by placing a pillow under that area of your low back that's uncomfortable when you lay on your belly and gradually get used to taking that away or making it a smaller thickness, anything to help open up that front body. Let's think of, a, of another activity here, getting on the floor. So again, functional activity, but it's something that unless you have a reason to get on the floor, like who needs to get on the floor? I suggest and recommend and inspire people to get on the floor, especially by doing my favorite activity or my favorite self-treatment tool, which we talked about last time, legs up the wall, right? So you can do it on a bed if you need to and you're not able to get to the floor. But, but if you are physically able to get on the floor, I encourage you to get on the floor every day, at least even if it's only to get down there and to get back up. If you want to get down there and do some activities, what would be great is to get on the floor, get on your belly for a while, prop your head on your, or your forehead on your hands, maybe prop up on your elbows, be there at least for five minutes, work up to it, maybe do a little more, might as well do some uh, buttocks exercises or some other upper back exercises. I have a whole video on my YouTube channel on how to find your glutes, which is a, a great one if you're going to be on the floor for a little bit. But here's what happens over time. You know, of course, we could have an injury and that could make this worse. However, barring any injury even, most people as they age, there's decreased opportunity and reason to get on the floor so they don't do it. Then, you know, years later, maybe even less than years, they realize getting down to the floor and back up is extremely difficult. I've worked with this with many patients over the years and also even family members and friends where, you know, they like, oh, I can't get on the floor. I can't get back up. So it's a great opportunity to work on that while you still can. And even if you get to a point where you can't, there's many things that we can do to help you build up that strength to get back down to the floor and get back up because it's really, it's a safety issue too, right? Not only is it a health healthy thing that we can promote uh, range of motion and also have an opportunity to develop more strength in a functional pattern, but it's also a safety issue because if you fall and you're already weak and you can't get up, that's not a good thing. Okay, one more thing I want to bring up, and that is the activity of sit to stand. So if you think about 
just going from sitting down to standing up, that activity is something that we kind of take for granted, right? But as we age, and many people, maybe it's not just aging, maybe there's a problem that has happened that you've required surgery, or there's been an injury or some other illness that has created weakness over time. Just that activity of going to sit to stand can be a tough one. And I saw this in great detail as an acute physical therapist when I first got out of PT school. And then again, years later, when I went back to the acute care setting, just because I enjoyed it so much. But there are lots of people who have difficulty going from sit to stand. There are major muscle groups involved there. And if they get weak over time, it makes that activity of sit to stand difficult. So if you know someone or you yourself have difficulty going from sit to stand, you can practice that by adding repetitions to that throughout the day. For example, maybe you need to use arms on a chair to stand up or you need to maybe even need some help. But if you did that repetition several times, you know, just sit back down, stand back up, sit back down, stand back up, and you do that as much as you can, let's say the most you can do is six times. If you did that activity twice a day or even once a day, but you were consistent with it, again, your body is going to adapt to whatever it is you're doing or to what you're not doing. But if you give your body the opportunity to adapt to repetitions of sit to stand, then it is going to get better at sit to stand. And that is what we want, right? To develop functional strength. So I could go on and on about this topic, and maybe it's something we should bring up more again later. But I did bring up a lot of lower-level activities here, but there's a whole slew of things we could talk about in regards to athletes, especially endurance and ultra-endurance athletes, who really are focusing on only a few specific activities. So much of the time, they're avoiding or ignoring the rest of their fascial system, and they're having decreased range of motion in certain directions of various joints, specifically and especially the hip joints and the shoulder joints and the spine. So many things that we can work on to create optimal mobility throughout our body, which is really talking about fascia, because as that fascia tightens down because it's not being used or asked to be moved in various ways, it's going to get tight. I always like to say, if we took an infant and we moved you know, all of its joints, its full range of motion gently every day for the rest of our lives, barring any injury, we should maintain normal range of motion through all of our joints. The problem is we don't know to do that and it's a difficult thing to do, right? But getting back to some movements that maybe have been difficult, just know the body can adapt to a point if there's injury and trauma and surgery and all of that, but you never know unless you try. So hopefully that increased some of your awareness today about how the body adapts and the potential that could be there for maybe some dysfunction or injury or difficulty of any type of movement that you might be experiencing. Have a great day and more to come.